Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and today with us is an old friend, Adam Parkamenko. Boy, Adam, do I always pronounce your name wrong? You got it right today. Hey, everybody always gets mine wrong. I, they always say Kareem and I go, no, that's the tall guy that plays basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Adam is a well-known Democrat. Well, I like to say democratic operative, but uh, (laughs) something like that. Something like that. Who has has worked for the, uh, well, you've worked for the democratic national party and Mm -hmm. uh, has been instrumental in uh, putting people in office and working for democratic ideals. And when we come back, We'll ask him a few questions about the current administration and, of course, what happened this week uh, down in Florida, <laughs> although I don't really want to talk about it, CPAC. <laughs> so it's just ask the question. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and we're back. And joining us is Adam Parkmenko and Adam, a Democratic strategist for the Democratic Party. Uh, Adam, I'm going to, you know, you've been one of my favorite people to have on the show. I love what you have to say, and I hope other people enjoy it as much as I do. I guess what I want to start out with in this first block is talking about some of the criticisms of the, of the uh, current administration. They've been in office, well, less than six weeks, and they're already... <laughs> being told they're a failure so i guess let's let's address that first we gave donald trump a little bit more time than six weeks do you think uh uh, biden's being unfairly uh uh people are being unfairly critical or do you think it's normal at this point i think that there's a uh there's a huge vacuum without trump on uh on twitter and in the white house and you know some somewhere or another that vacuum always seems to get filled um, the question is, is whether, you know, it's fairly or unfairly. I think a lot of the the criticisms have been unfair, but you know, the other thing is that he's got, he's got a number of people that we still need to, uh, to come out of the Senate and, you know, uh, take up their positions in the cabinet. And, you know, one of the big things that they pushed for, for the first, uh, I guess, three months would be a hundred million, um, Americans vaccinated. And I think as of, you know, Thursday or Friday, we were at somewhere around 68 or 69 million had received the first and or second vaccine. So um, a lot of good stuff is happening and uh, there will continue to be unfair criticism. What do you think is the fairest criticism of the president so far? Um, You know, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Maybe that, um, you know, I, I, I I don't know. (laughs) I think one of the, one of the funniest things to me has been, you know, the folks that are, that are saying that he uh, had committed to work with Republicans and, and don't understand that, um, you know, he needs to move forward, whether Republicans want to work with him or not. You think that's a fair criticism? Or no, not? I think it's an unfair one. Well, I, I can't, I can't necessarily think of a fair one. If you want to give me some options and I'll tell you whether they well, are or not, but um, I've, the, I've focused on the positive things that he's done. 
I look, the, I think the biggest thing he said going forward from day one was the biggest thing we have to do is corral the coronavirus, you know, and, and mm-hmm. deal with that. And I think uh, everyone, I, well, some people have given him um, foul marks on it, but those are the same people that believe reptilian aliens are, are running the world. <laughs> so I tend to discount the, 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 you know, the Taylor Greens of the world and, you know, all those wonderful QAnon supporters. But one of the criticisms about him from even from some Democrats is, and I don't know if this is a fair one or unfair or mis, misapplied criticism, and it may be all of the above, but that uh, the failure to, to raise the minimum wage is going to be a uh, millstone around his neck come uh, midterm elections. There are people saying if, if he can't help get uh, minimum wage raised, they're not going to vote for Democrats in, in the uh, midterm. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, um, it's so early, right? As you said, it's six weeks. I mean, I, I'm kind of sitting here thinking, you know, what would be the fairest criticism? I think something that, you know, I got upset about the other day. And, and you know, again, I'm not here to just, uh, you know, go off at Joe Biden. But I think that we could have done a lot more in terms of uh, our response and pushback to the crown prince, um, you know, with this Kashagi stuff that came out. I, I, I think that um, that's you know, one of mine. Yeah. I think weakness invites aggression. I've always said that. And I think that, you know, that's a topic where I'd like to see us do a lot more. Um, you know, the parliamentarian piece, um, you know, I, I saw one house Democrat the other day that, you know, was being all cautious about it and said, you know, there might be a point where we have a, a good ruling on that end. And I'm just like, you know, give me a break. You know, we're, we're uh, <laughs> this country that is an experiment is, um, you know, hanging by a thread and we need to do everything we can to, uh, to save it. And I think that we need to use the, the same playbook that Republicans continually use on us. You know, they, um, they took a Supreme court seat multiple times and, uh, you know, we're sitting here, uh, trying to figure out, you know, how near a tannin's going to get through. And I think it's just, uh, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that if, you know, Mitch McConnell had put, uh, you know, was 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 running the show in terms of Nira being, you know, one of their nominees that she would make her way through. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about Khashoggi a little bit. I have said that um, you should come out and I mean, we've known for a year and a half and 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 when we pressed Donald Trump about this, look, we've known for a year and a half that MBS, the, the crown prince, was behind the murder of this it, a New York, I'm sorry, Washington Post reporter who lives in Virginia and or who lived in Virginia and that he should be held accountable for it. And Donald Trump said, look, uh, we have <laughs> economic entanglements. And he's told Brian Stelf, no, yeah, yeah, I think he's told Chuck Dodd, it's all about the money, Chuck. It's all about the money. Mm-hmm. And he discounted criticisms uh, and the evidence against uh, the crown prince. Now, Biden has acknowledged what everyone already knew that MBS was behind this. Um, And I've said that we should, there should be sanctions and there should never be, like you said, if we show weakness, it invites aggression. And in this case, it invites aggression and the murdering of reporters. And if you're going to murder a reporter who's in the public eye, what does that mean you're doing to people that we can't see, you know, the, the lesser among us. So it's a real slippery slope. Um, what do you think should be the, the right response in handling the Khashoggi problem? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I know what the, the right response is. And, you know, uh, I'm not a foreign policy expert. Uh, I know there's a number of different ways that you can respond on these things. And, 
you know, I saw a big thread the other day in terms of, you know, what the U.S. response may or may not be to, to Russia and, and, you know, what they've been doing for years and how, you know, you don't have to respond doing the same thing, right? Like if, you know, if, if we're getting hit uh, from a cyber angle, there's a number of other key ways that you can respond that creating more problems because a lot of times if you respond using certain tools or tactics, that might just make them sort of up their game and find new ways to do things. Um, and you're creating an even bigger monster. Um, on this one, I don't know the perfect answer. I just know that, um, you know, it wasn't enough. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about what you talk about not enough. The Democrats barely have a majority in the House. They lost some of their majority and they barely, by the thinnest of margins, have a majority in the Senate. Mm-hmm. The Republic- we, we not only lost seats, I think we only flipped one seat, which was Georgia 7. Last year. Yeah. So what's going to happen? What should be the goal for Democrats in the midterm? And how will you obtain that goal? You know, I think that that the Republicans are, are really handing a, a, a huge present to Democrats in the midterms right now on a number of fronts. I mean, you know, they they literally incited an insurrection, um, which none of us would ever want to see happen. Um, but that happened. And then they all went down to uh, CPAC in Florida and they're having their white nationalist convention and they seem to be doing more of the same. And, and I think that, you know, there's a number of parallels here, but what Republicans have been doing to, you know, just, um, just, you know, incite all of these anti-American things paralleled with what Joe Biden is doing right now, um, you know, to, to help, you know, pull this country together and get us past this, this global pandemic um, I think it's a huge problem for Republicans and it's a great thing for Americans. Yeah. What do you think about uh, uh, Reagan? Uh, <laughs> I won't even go right there. But what do you think of Trump who has said, I'm not going to abandon the Republican Party. I'm the standard bearer. When you go into and, and we can talk about, like I said, CPAC in the in the second block. But specifically, what's the Democratic response to the Republican parties? I mean, there are people who are very afraid that in the midterms, this, that Donald Trump and the strength of uh, people like uh, what's her, uh, Lauren Boebert and Green and, and uh, Jim Jordan and uh, Gates and all these mouths on the far right are going to be able to, to flip votes. They're, gonna, uh, they're going to take and uh, turn through um, gerrymandering, turn different districts you know red yeah what's what's your response to that well i mean i think it'll be interesting to see where a number of these seats uh you know what they look like some of them i don't think are going to change drastically some of these states that are going to be key we're going to get additional seats um you know there was a tweet i I think it was maybe a year or two ago that um that sort of uh, reminds me of what we're discussing right now and it said i missed the days you know under barack obama where i could breathe inside and outside um, and I think that, you know, this is going to come down to, you know, <laughs> are, are, are you better off? Right. And, like, right. you know, if we're going to get to a place where, you know, our kids are back in school, um, you know, and my son can have a, a birthday this year with uh, with his friends and folks are getting the, the resources they need. I mean, you know, like uh, the you know $15 minimum wage, that's not going to may not happen overnight. But look at Republicans are doing, you know, Susan Collins. I think, you know, voted for like a or, or pushed pushed forward, you know, her support of a, a $10 minimum wage by like 2024. Um, and in Maine, 
the the minimum wage is actually higher than that you know so she's <laughs> she's proposing that um you know uh mainers get a a, a cut in their wages um you know i just think all of this stuff is, is is stuff that we're going to be able to you know point out over and over again um but there's a there's a great story coming to get together and it's the it's the country rebuilding you think that that story can gain traction and be heard over the screams of the far right? I think so. I, I think that, you know, and we've said this for a long time, right? But, you know, uh, Trumpism is here to stay for the foreseeable future. And, and he is getting, you know, um, we've got just about everything but a health care plan from him. But we, uh, you know, he's, he's getting involved in the Ohio Senate race now. And, you know, one of the big Trumpers is someone who, who he's not supporting. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, uh, not only did, uh, you know, Trump lose by a landslide, but um, every single one of these Republicans continues to tie themselves at the hip to him and can't let let go of it. And we're going to be running against Trump, you know, in 2022. You think that, um, well, I guess the question is, A, do you think Trump will actually run for president again in 2024? I have no idea. I saw that picture of him online last night uh, where he's golfing. I mean, he, he, he doesn't look well. He looks, you know, incredibly stressed for somebody who's supposed to not be stressed and, you know, not be in the position of president. He's got some serious problems um, in New York and other places. Um, yeah. See, that's my thing. I don't think, I don't think the SLB is ever going to run for president again. I think it's a grip. Yeah. I think I, he's, he's, he's got too much. He's going to have too much of his time is going to be spent, I think, in courts and worrying about paying back his debt. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I, the only scenario in which I could see him running for office again is if he convinces himself that's the only way to make money, uh, make money <laughs> and to um, save himself from all these legal problems. Yeah. And uh, and like you said, his health isn't the best. I, I go back to uh, November of 2019 when he took that emergency trip to uh, the hospital and mm -hmm. they never adequately explained why. Right. Um, and so there's been speculation, idle speculation, and we've never pushed hard enough and nobody's ever told us why he went, but I noticed a, a dramatic change in him prior to 2019, November, of 2019 and after November, mm -hmm. of 2019. So I don't, I don't think he's physically in the best of health. I think he wants to be a kingmaker and I think he wants to convince people he's going to run for the time being so he can set his uh, stamp on the Republican Party and at the same time try to pay his bills because if right. you get 20 or 30 million people, you know, <laughs> giving him 20 bucks a month, he's <laughs> exactly he, he can afford his you know, monthly nut and he might yeah. be able to pay back some of the, of the, of the debt that he owes. So I, totally. I just don't I just don't believe him when he says anything. I mm -hmm. never. Um, but that in itself creates a low bar for Democrats to, to pass, to get over. I mean, totally agree. You just have to look, I'm not an asshole like Trump vote for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People are going to listen, Yep. but don't, don't we deserve even more? Don't we deserve better than that? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we need a lot more than that, but I, I do think that, you know, um, uh, you know, Christy Smith, who ran for Congress uh, in I think California 25, you know, this past cycle, she lost by 300 votes um, to Mike Garcia. And this is a guy that, you know, wanted to uh, change the results of the election. So I, I do right. think that, you know, in a parallel, we need to talk about, you know, all the things that Democrats are doing, but also looking at all these seats that were so close. I think that every single one of these, you know, insurrectionists and, um, you know, anti-constitutional, you know, whatever, you know, whether they're elected or whether they are running for office the first time and they were on record 
um, you know, leading up to the events of January 6th. I think that is something that needs to continually be um, inserted and reminded of people because, you know, um, they're not someone that should ever be in office. Yeah, but what can the, Dem- all right, so what should the Democrats play be in 2022? How can you expand your base? What would mm-hmm. be your strategy to expand the base and to get rid of some of those insurrections? Because well, there are a lot of those, there are a lot of people like, let's go to Kentucky, let's stop Florida, let's stop yeah. places where these people are still, I mean, you know, in Kentucky elected Mitch McConnell again, and, mm-hmm. and you've got Rand Paul, another moron, coming up for a re-election in two years. They're gonna these people in these states, Missouri, Holly. I mean, there are people that will that believe them and will vote for them. How are you gonna get their vote? Yeah, I mean, I think that this is where it comes back to sort of the fundamentals of the Democratic Party, right? You have to understand that uh, you can't go into Kentucky and say this is what's gonna work, this is what isn't. Not only is you know Kentucky a different state than Michigan, but in Kentucky you've got you know 17 different areas that are unlike the other. Um, and I think that we need authentic candidates um, who are going to be who they are, you know, behind closed doors um, in public. Um, you know, I, I use the example and I, I'm not involved <clears throat> involved in the Virginia governor's race, but Terry McAuliffe is an example of somebody who is as high energy behind closed doors as he is public. Yeah, right? I know. Terry. He's a good guy. Yeah. And, and you don't have to be high energy, but like what you see with Terry is what you get. Um, Always. And, and I think that that, you know, we just need more candidates that are themselves and don't sort of, you know, put on the show and spend all their time listening to, you know, Washington, D.C. or the DCCC telling them this is how you should run your race. This is who you should hire. This is what you should do. I think we just need to, you know, empower these supporters to talk about why they're running and they have some uh, sorry, these candidates, why they're running and they have some incredible stories. I mean, it, you know, the, the caliber of candidates that's already been stepping up. Are you all searching for those type of candidates? I think actually, um, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they're stepping up because they've had enough. I mean, we saw this past cycle where you end up having a primary with six or seven people and you, you got to let that process play out and you wind up with a, with a really good candidate. Well, I remember one time Tip O'Neill and I, I it's in his book, uh, Man of the House, his, his biography, his autobiography, but it was also when I interviewed him a few times, he was, he was put in charge of going out and finding candidates, you know, mm-hmm. in the house. And he said, He'd walk out, he'd go to a, you know, fly into a district and go, hey, who's the most popular guy around here? Mm-hmm. Who, you know, is, is it a car salesman guy? Sure. Is, it, is it a lawyer? Who is it that people like and, and will listen to? And right. he went out and organically tried to find candidates. Is there anything like that? Well, I think, I think that's all, it's always going on. I mean, like right now, you know, in Ohio, I don't know that she's going to do it, right? But you, you have a number of people who might run for, for Senate on the Democratic side, but one of the people is a woman who's been giving basically the state version of the the Fauci briefing every single day during the pandemic. Right. And there's a number of people that are trying to recruit her and urge her to run. Um, and, and so, you know, a lot of things have changed, you know, in the, the last year, I think it'll be a year. Our schools here for my son shut down March 13th last year, Friday the 13th. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, in the last year, there's been a lot of people at home that have gotten to know a whole bunch of people in this pandemic, um, you know, at the state and county level. And I think you're starting to see a transition of a number of those folks um, that are now um, looking at running for office. And, and you know, it's, it's sort of a, a glimpse in time, but like there's a huge opportunity for so many people that, you know, no one had ever heard of before until, you know, this all happened. 
Do you think that the Democrats will expand their their base? In tw- are you confident of it? And if so, why? If not, if so, why not? Well, I think the Senate is always one of these hard things, right? You never like we we didn't. I think it was maybe three cycles in a row we didn't win the Senate, um, and and then Georgia changed everything. And you know, a lot of days it still feels like we don't have the U.S. Senate. Um, I do think that we'll expand the number. Well, as long as you've got Mitch McConnell, you don't have the U.S. Senate. (laughs) Right. Satan fluffer is still there fluffing Satan. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I and I think you know to answer your question, but on that point too. You know, I, there's a lot of Democrats in the Senate that need to be a lot tougher. Swalwell said something the other day when Josh Hawley was speaking, and I just couldn't believe the number of people in the in the Senate that were Democrats that weren't saying anything when, you know, Hawley was basically suggesting that law enforcement and others were the ones that incited this when, you know, he's literally one of the main people. Um, and Swalwell called him on it. Yeah, Swalwell called him on it. I would have loved to have seen more Senate Democrats do that, but on the House side, at least he did. Um, I, I do think we expand the numbers in the House because... Um, these were sort of razor, razor thin margins. I think there's a number of different reasons why people think that, you know, um, what, you know, a number of people voted for Joe Biden, but then voted for the Republicans in these house seats. Um, whereas it didn't happen, you know, prior, but, um, you know, it's, uh, I think people are going to see over the next two years, uh, just what we're able to do, you know, when we have these three bodies and they're going to enjoy it and they're going to be happier in their lives over the next two years and they're going to vote for the Democrats. Well, I think the insurrection, I, that's where I was pointed to. I think the January 6th insurrection can be used and will be remembered. Uh, everyone is always um, so cognizant of the of the short attention span that the American electorate has. But this was a historic first and it was it was internationally embarrassing for the United mm-hmm. States, what happened. And it was something that even some of the most conservative people I know, and, and that would, you know, relatives and, and in-laws were shocked and yeah. angry about what happened. Absolutely. No. And I, and I, and I use the Garcia as an example of in California where, you know, that was a seat that it was 300 votes, but like, that's something that they're talking about every single day in that district. I have no idea who ultimately is going to run. Um, but there's no reason why he should he should be in Congress right now, let alone be able to win that seat uh, two years from now. We're going to take a short break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the gathering of Satan's minions down in <laughs> Orlando, better known as CPAC. So stick around. And we'll be right back. Well, time to pay the bills, folks. And this one I, I don't mind doing. If <laughs> actually, I've actually used this. If this 2020 holiday season feels like it's been a long time, come and make it worth the wait with Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks makes the perfect gift for family and friends or to treat yourself. All shipped directly to your door. They offer everything you need to bring families together for a delicious holiday feast. Okay, or maybe not, maybe just a delicious festival. Uh, their deluxe grillers assortment package includes a variety of entrees, sides, and desserts. Right now, you can get this mouth-watering package. I, I've never actually seen a mouth water. Well, well, anyway, plus four free burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. And we all need a good meat thermometer. And exclusive price only available to uh, our listeners. So go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code QUESTION into the search bar. Get a jump on gift shopping with Omaha Steaks. You know, Omaha Steaks isn't just a steak. It, it, it's actually a, a lot of them. It's a fantastic gift and a safe way to share the joy of the season with Omaha Steaks, guaranteed quality and safety with every order. 
<laughs> Order the Deluxe Grillers Assortment Package today, and you'll receive four free Omaha Steak Burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. That's just a great straight line I won't use. When you go to omahasteaks.com and type question in the search bar, that's omahasteaks.com and type question. And if you need to spell it, it's Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N in the search bar. And you'll shop for the best gourmet gifts of the season. I, I like a good raw steak, so uh, enjoy it. It is a lot of fun. Hi, we're back. The show has just asked the question. I am your host, Brian Kerman. With us is Adam Bakamenko. And Adam, I'm going to ask you the, <laughs> about Satan's Minions and the Fluffers down in Orlando, mm-hmm. CPAC. Well, have you been paying much attention to CPAC? As, as much as I can. <laughs> really? As much as, I, as much as I can take. Yeah, that's like, I mean, it's like I said in the break, it's like children of the corn on acid. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's not fun to watch. What do you, do you think that that actually? I'm trying to get into their mindset. How the hell does that play to the American public? I uh, I have absolutely no idea. I mean, the question is is like how much of this stuff is actually kind of bleeding through, and how many people are paying attention? I you know sometimes I think <clears throat> some of these things are very um, DC inside baseball. Um, yeah, I agree with you. So at the end of the day, I, you know, on that front, I'm not 100 percent sure, but there is. Um, you know, my favorite so far has been all the the trolling. There's this uh, these two guys that are down there right now called the Good Liars. Yeah. If I don't know if you follow them, but um, yeah. So they uh, uh, I don't know if we can curse. I assume we can curse. Go ahead. Them. What the fuck? <laughs> Before <laughs> they've got flyers up right now that say a special CPAC presentation. Get fucked up with Don Jr. And it's Friday night, Saturday morning, one to five, huddled over a mirror in Don Jr.'s hotel room. Lively amphetamine fuel discussion until dawn, and the topics are election fraud, immigration, digital currency, eighties video games, boats, and how nothing is fair. <laughs> there's some photos online of folks that are actually standing and reading the invites in the uh, the lobby area of CPAC. <clears throat> and you know what? That's not too far from reality, really. I mean, if, no. I mean, I was. The, the picture of Don Jr. floating around, you know, four years ago and today and, you know, asking people if they're better off than they were four years ago, I think is, is really, you know, when you talk about the message, a very easy way to hammer it home. Well, you know, what's funny about all of that? Well, not funny, but sad. Well, I had Michael Cohen on this show and he said, you know, he was dropping knowledge bombs right and left about Donald Trumpies and when he knew those kids, they all said the last thing they wanted to do was to be like their dad. Yeah. Oh, I believe it. I was, yeah. I was actually um, thinking about Michael Cohen yesterday. Cause you know, there's that story and I've, I've always hoped someone would ask him again about it where he was in the oval office and Donald Trump ate that piece of paper and swallowed it in front of him. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I think that we, you know, now that Cohen is, is talking more, I think that it's, it's worth revisiting. I will revisit that. I promise to. I'd love that. it. What, what was on that paper? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Adderall. <laughs> you know, exactly. Um, but when I look at CPAC, I look at what, you know, there, I, I think sometimes, you know, you talk about inside DC baseball. I almost feel like we give them too much oxygen by covering it too much. Yeah, no, I mean, it, and that's one of the things, I mean, I, I do think, you know, as we said early on, now that Trump is, you know, not just out of office, but off of Twitter, right? There is, I know I'm things have changed. Yeah. I'm sleeping a lot better. Um, 
but things have changed a lot too. And I, and I, and so I think it's going to take a, a while to work out, to get a better idea of, you know, what do we seem to be spending too much time on, but on this thing, you know, um, we're all following it for a number of reasons. One, I mean, it's like a treasure trove of research, right. For, for 2022, the, the things that they're yeah. saying, you know, um, lawyers are following it for a number of other reasons, you know, yeah. um, for lawsuits and criminal yeah. investigations, but <laughs> I, I, you know, they, they can't, they can't let him go. I mean, what, you know, from the golden statue of him to the, uh, the president of Goya, um, and then Hyatt oh letting this happen to begin with that it, it's, it's unbelievable. The number of people that continue to, uh, be unable to detach from this guy. Yeah, I'm easily. I, I, I am so over this guy. I can't even tell you. I mean, I, I cover the Biden administration. I don't cover the Trump administration yeah. because the Trump administration does not exist. Mm -hmm. But Trumpism, as you said, is not going away. Right, right. And so there's a fine line to walk. I, yeah. it, but it's well, now, this thing. But the, I think that I don't know who mentioned it. It was maybe Dave Weigel on Twitter. But I, I think the first they, they didn't even get to Biden before they started talking about AOC at this thing. Um, yeah, I think Biden's come up, you know, a lot less than than others. Than AOC. But, yeah, well, that's they, because uh, he actually they can't say too much about him so right, far. Right. <laughs> how dare he <laughs> attack the coronavirus? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, how do you know? And when they go after him for the minimum wage, they just look to be as callous and as cruel as as. And even they are aware of that optic, I think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But he hasn't really given them much to, to go after him about. I mean, except. That someone said they didn't like that, you know, he hasn't uh, given a constitutionally mandated State of the Union address. And then you have to remind them that there's nothing in the Constitution that mandates State mm -hmm. of the Union address. And then you've got the what the <laughs> acting uh, Capitol Police chief who's now saying that, you know, they have reason to believe that, you know, the insurrectionists of January 6th want to now bomb the Capitol during the State of the Union. Yeah, I saw that show. It was called a Designated Survivor. Mm. I, yeah, I, they're like cart. I'm telling you, between the cannibal pizza delivery shit and the and the you know the the goddamn uh, the green reptilian aliens and the designated survivor and the fact that every you know it was like every one of them have been on a television show. Kellyanne Conway mm -hmm. and um, what not Rance Priebus, but um, yeah. Sean Spicer on Dancing with the Stars. I think they just want attention they yep. just need it mm -hmm. and and it's frightening to me especially when you watch you know <clears throat> well if, if you have to watch sean spicer dance that's pretty frightening um <laughs> and it's all part of the uh the makeover too right i mean it's like you know obviously a number of people can't get jobs and all those people probably will find some job here or there and they'll be making lots more than before but um you know they're they're erasing a lot of the uh the perceptions that uh folks have pretty easily with the help of some of these corporations. Yeah, that's frightening too. So that's, what is the Democrats' biggest challenge? What's their biggest problem going forward? I, th I think as always, it's themselves, right? Like that's just, you know, you, you boil it down. Um, you know, they need to one, uh, do what they say they're going to do, so do what they said they were going to do and take care of their base. You know, we've been watching Republicans take care of their base and winning for years and years and years. And we need to stop focusing on, you know, the person that's never going to vote for us and focus on one, you know, making America a better place and two, taking care of the folks that got us there um, and and listening to them and hearing them. And and, you know, I think a number of these folks um, 
that need a reminder need to look no further than, you know, who are some of the most popular people in our party right now? Um, and I do, th- and I do think Nancy Pelosi, Amen. AOC, right? Uh, right. Yeah, she's huge. Um, look at Beto. I mean, <clears throat> you know, Beto is an example. He didn't run away to Cancun. He didn't run away, can't run away to Cancun. I think he's it, not again, even elected and he was there helping people. And I, I think Beto is the perfect example. This is something that always frustrates me. The perfect example of somebody, I'm not saying he should do this today because he's doing really good stuff right now and he needs to focus on that. But look, you know, I didn't support uh, um, Beto when he ran for president. However, I kept saying he should get into the race immediately after he lost that Senate race. Um, you know, I, I think often lightning only strikes once um, and you have to take advantage of that. And you can't spend two months trying to figure out what you're going to do. You just have to run with it. And I think that, you know, lightning has struck a second time with Beto. And if he's going to be running for office, he should do it. You know, don't do it six months from now when no one's talking about you again. Um, Take advantage of this moment and show everybody that you're the person that should have been in the Senate and, you know, roll out your campaign if you are going to do it. For what? uh, Congress? Um, For Senate. For Senate. Where would he run in? I mean, that's. I think the, the Cornyn seat's up, right? Oh, that's right. Cornyn is up in twenty. You know, and Cornyn is more. Um, I think Cornyn, my understanding historically is is like actually more popular in Texas than Ted Cruz before Cancun. Um, however, that doesn't mean that we can't win, and you know things are changing all over. And look no further than Georgia. Yeah, things are changing all over, and I, 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 my concern for the Democrats is I don't know that they have a handle or understand just how much, I mean, I think Georgia was a bellwether for the country. And, and, and if you don't seize that now, Mm -hmm. like you said, lightning that, you know, or you, you know, you catch lightning in a bottle rarely. And here it is, here's the opportunity for the Democrats, Mm -hmm. but they've got to have a good candidates and B stay on, stay on target, stay on target and have a solid message. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that I haven't seen, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. And, and I think a part of it is early, right? You know, there's always the, <clears throat> the first few weeks of any administration where people try to figure out who's going on on the inside, who's staying on the outside. What does the outside begin to look like, especially on the super PAC side, um, you know, where you might have, there's been some, you know, word that maybe American Bridge is going to set up a, a Biden war room and there's going to be other entities. I think that the that Jamie Harrison is going to be huge um, for the Democratic Party. He ran for chair um, in 2017. Um, and I think, you know, a couple his vote and a couple of his supporters, because he was a state party chair at the time and could vote South Carolina, um, were uh, ultimately the reason that Tom Perez won. Um, I was yeah. never a fan of Tom Perez, but I do think neither that, was I. I've known yeah. him for too long. I think Jamie Jamie gets it. He's a former state party chair. Um, you know, the only the only uh, potential problem for him is if the the White House is too controlling of what what he's doing and they restrict him. Because um, a lot of times, you know, you have a White House that tries to have a political arm that runs the DNC and they need to they need to let Jamie do his job. So I haven't seen anything that suggests that they're not going to, but. Um, I think as long as we can avoid that trap, I think Jamie is going to do really good stuff, especially on the messaging front and on the uh, candidate recruitment front. So what are you going to do for 2022? Do you know? I love um, being on the outside and doing anything I can on the, the super PAC front, you know, where we can um, expose people and, you know, use the tactics that Republicans like to use against us. Like the Lincoln project? Uh, yeah, like Midas Touch, uh, the good liars, stuff like that. 
Yeah. Um, I haven't worked with the Lincoln Project, um, although I know a number of them. But um, I, I think that, you know, that's where I, I have the most fun is being able to kind of do creative things and not have anyone tell you no, you know, and <laughs> you can look back and, you know, you can do a hundred things and maybe you, you think, oh, you could have done these, like, you know, these five better, but um, you get them done and you don't have to wait for anybody to, to tell you that you can't do it. And, you know, when you're officially working with like the committees and, uh, and campaigns, oftentimes, you know, uh, there's a lot of places where good ideas go to die and um yes I, I in the elected officials office yeah exactly <laughs> um so on the outside having fun and then hopefully at some point you know maybe expand and do some other stuff because this is uh, an exhausting and uh grueling business yeah it is and i and it and more so because of the divisiveness of the country i believe but that notwithstanding, when you take a look at um, the, where the Republicans are, there have been a lot of talk about talk about the super PACs and the corporations, and all, there's been a lot of talk that corporate sponsorship and money is is dwindling for the Republicans. Do you think that that's actually true, or do you think that's just bullshit? I think it's bullshit. I think it's just a moment in time. Um, you know, I'm I'm I feel like a a little bit of a hypocrite because I'm often one of these people that is um, very pro super PAC, but it's not. It's not like, you know, I don't wish Citizens United didn't exist. I just think that we can't unilaterally disarm. Um, and I think that, you know, um, a lot of this pushback against Republicans is uh, is worded very carefully and leaves an opening for them to continue to support these candidates at a later time. Um, and it's the same thing we're seeing with Facebook right now. You know, the Facebook ads are down, so campaigns cannot advertise on Facebook. We don't know. If and when there's a coming back, Google just reopened theirs Wednesday this past week. Um, I think that they will. But in the meantime, even Facebook is trying to kind of be cute about this whole thing, um, you know, to suggest that they're like having a little bit of a cooling off period when, you know, half this stuff was organized on their platform. Do you think the divisiveness in the United States is growing or do you think Biden would be successful? in mending some of the fences i think it's worse than it's ever been i think he will be successful in bringing some people together but i think that this country has a serious problem that not any one person can fix and you you see it in these numbers where you know 30 percent of republicans think this or 40 percent of republicans think this um it's just crazy and you and you know some of these videos that have appeared online where folks that feel like they were they were brainwashed or you know, um, stuck into believing, you know, cue this and that for, um, for however long. And you hear like how torture, torturous it was for them and their family to help them see the light. I, you know, I think we've got a major problem on our hands for years and years to come. Yeah. I think part of the problem is that people think that, <clears throat> that look, anyone is entitled to an opinion. I believe that, mm -hmm. but I really believe that before you issue an opinion, you should probably have some facts at your disposal. Yeah. yeah and totally. we have, and as Trump said, you know, he called us the enemy of the people and, and called us, you know, uh, the uh, fake news because he knew that it would get people not to believe us anymore. And there's this whole problem in the United States of what constitutes a fact. Right. And, you know, everyone's entitled to an opinion, but not everyone's entitled to their own facts. Hell, there are people you can't even get them to agree that, you know, the sun rises in the east you know mm -hmm. there's still the flat earth society for the love of god mm -hmm. and the guy who got killed you know trying to go up in a rocket and you know to prove it wrong right <laughs> so, i mean or a balloon or whatever the fuck he did but it's, 
I don't know that. Is there a magic bullet? Is there something that you would say that we could do to cure that? What What do you see? How do you see that situation playing out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the problems right now is like, you know, um, it goes back to a lot of this Trump stuff too. Like, you know, uh, Liz Cheney makes, you know, Kevin McCarthy is asked about, you know, Trump and his standing in the party. He gives his answer. Liz Cheney's asked same question. She gives a far more responsible and appropriate answer in terms of where we need to go from here, which is like, I don't think he has any place in the party. I don't think he should run again. And five minutes later, Jim Jordan uh, tweets out after seeing, you know, uh, Liz Cheney, uh, uh, sorry, Congressman Cheney's uh, comments that, um, you know, Donald Trump is the head of the Republican Party. As long as they continue to do that, it's going to continue to pour, you know, fuel on the fire in terms of, you know, all these little, you know, dark areas on the web that are pushing the stuff that then kind of comes into fruition on the ground, you know, and in real life, you know, when, whether it was the caravan, whether it was the, the Pittsburgh shooting, um, you know, uh, whether it was, you know, January 6th, you know, these things have serious, serious consequences. And fourth, that's the big one coming up. Yeah. 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 yeah they've got another date floating around. Yeah. That's when the real guy will come back magically delicious. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I wish, I wish I could say that there was like, you know, one or two things. I just don't see that happening. And I also don't think, you know, I think Joe Biden is, is, you know, is the right person for the right time in, in this country had like the luck factor going in terms of getting him. But I do think that, um, he, you know, he's got a lot of work to do. Yeah. I think you've got, to- I think the Democrats have problems with because it was such a low bar to get over, um, that, there is a bit of condescension from some of the people in his administration who are looking down on every, look, we're here to save the day and mm-hmm. they should be a little more um, less condescending, less elitist and, and, and should listen. I think one of the biggest problems is um, how the press is treated. We bring it on ourselves for the most part, but we've got to do a better job at covering both, you know, Democrats and Republicans mm-hmm. and we're not. And that's, that's a huge problem. Yeah. We just need some more Brian Caroms and then, you know, we'll Hey, I'm all for that. Just get, just people are going to give people shit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I got a little worked up this morning um, and I was talking to some friends about the same thing, but you know, the latest Maureen Dowd column, you know, and then um, seeing a reporter that was sharing pieces of it from over there. And I, you know, I just remember when um, they were saying that, you know, uh, you know, Trump's comments about the, the press were theater, you know, and I, and I think that like, we've got all sorts of issues that we got to work on from here. But I do think that um, it's become even more. It's a mixed blessing. It's, it's so great not to have Donald Trump in office. It's so great not to have Donald Trump on Twitter. But this vacuum that I mentioned, I think that people, people have gone from 160 miles an hour to trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing with that time and those response and that anger and that frustration. And it's, it's created an even more toxic environment. I agree. Um, you, you nailed it. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And, and, and we look, I will place the responsibility for some of this on us because we don't do our job very well. I will say that, you know, the government and, and corporate greed helped to create the toxic environment in the press that we have today. And, there are people who really don't know what the hell they're doing when they're covering, you know, there's, there's whole parts of Congress that don't get covered. There's, mm-hmm. you know, state and local governments that don't get covered. And so, you know, how do you expect someone who has no 
experience doing these things cover the White House. Right. That's that's a huge problem. Yeah. Huge. Hopefully, and, hopefully it'll be better now that we have a uh, an actual press secretary in that role, and you know we can start to have some you know a, a working relationship in terms of you know what the Constitution protects and you know what our what our country expects. What do you think is the greatest improvement uh, from <laughs> Trump to Biden? Um, like personal, like we can all sleep now. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, look, I'm just so happy. My, you know, I set the alarm on my phone for when Twitter goes off and I, I don't get the, you know, it used to be like Pavlov's dog. I'd hear that thing and like, Ooh. <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah. And then you hear it like 20 times in a row at like yeah. 6 ding, 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 ding. And you just, you know, you go, the son of a bitch is at it again. That's all you can yeah. think. <laughs> I, it's, um, I think just everything. I mean, it feels like we're, you know, we're still a long ways away on the pandemic, but like you, you know, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel and you have a president who, um, who's mourning with us and cares. Um, and, um, you know, it just, uh, it's a huge, huge weight off, I think everyone's shoulders on so many fronts and, and it just, it, it does feel like, uh, this country really, really survived something that, you know, was about to kind of bring down the whole experiment. Do you think, well, when uh, President Biden said America's back, do you think that was wishful thinking? No, I mean, I, I think that uh, I, I think that that's right. Um, and, you know, I think even like the, the steps that he took that day when he was inaugurated and he went over to Arlington Cemetery, um, you know, the time that he spent the day before, um, you know, talking about his son. I mean, it, 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 it did feel like the country's back. And I think you're seeing it. Um, you know, in statements and conversations, you know, like uh, uh, Trudeau, you know, who basically was was making the same point the other day in terms of, you know, uh, uh, relationships and and policy, um, it, it, you know, so on a number of levels. Well, yeah, I mean, the difference between seeing Joe Biden walk in a room and Donald Trump walk into the room is, is the difference between seeing somebody you invited into the house and a thief who's got a gun and is drunk off his ass. Exactly. The place up. That's yeah. That's, I mean, it, Trump is the drunk uncle. You have to put in an Uber and send home from the family picnic. Cause he's, you know, gone nuts and exposed mm -hmm. himself. Totally. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it, it's a great feeling and it's, you know, it's only going to get better, but you know, there's going to be, you know, no one's perfect. And you know, the, the they're going to make mistakes, but um, I think that, uh, you know, if they're honest about them and, 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 and fix them and move forward, you know, what more can we all ask? That's true. If you admit your mistakes and it in politics, it always seems like you make excuses or deny the mistakes. Yep. And when people, I think most people are willing to go, huh? All right. Look, you, you, you know, you screwed up. I screwed up. We screw up. We all screw yep. up. I think yep. people, if, if politicians are more, adaptable and willing to do that they'd find less pushback from people as whole oh, yeah but that's and, and this white house has already i guess in in six weeks had one of those instances where you know um they lost a member of their team because of uh of an issue and tj ducklow is that yeah, what you're referring to? yeah you know and that was unfortunate however um it, it was a very different response than we would have seen from the trump white house well yeah <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? We got that every day from the Trump White yep. House. And those people got promoted. That's, yep. that's, exactly. You know, I, I haven't had anybody try to take my press pass yet. It is early. It is early. I'll give 
they might they may try it's early but you know so far well, if that happens we'll have the same anger and uh, response as we did the last time yeah well thanks <laughs> we're gonna take a short break we'll be right back <laughs> Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q podcast. That's J-A-T-Q podcast. Again, that's at J-A-T-Q podcast. You know, we should probably have had that discussion, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> That was actually the funniest part of what we maybe I'll, I'll circle back around producer, go back and circle back around and edit that in. We were just talking about how crazy the press is, but I, I just don't understand having and the vampire um, in your backyard. Yeah. That, you know, I don't understand putting someone on the air who continues to deny that the election was real. Like I said, that's, that's like, you know, me putting someone on my air, you know, I've got a vampire in my backyard. I love him. Good for you. You're not on my show. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I said this morning that face the nation is, is basically, um, you know, Fox uh, late night now. And, and that's sort of what it's come down to. It's incredible. The, every Sunday I, I try to avoid, you know, looking at Twitter in the morning and going on uh, looking at on TV because it's just, it's the same thing every Sunday. Yeah, it, it bothers the living shit out of me to watch people. We Like I said, this all started in the break and for, for everyone. This started in break because we started talking about how the media isn't very good about covering itself. We don't do it very well. Yeah, and, and the other thing, I, I think I said this a week ago, but the um, it, it really is starting to seem like the Sunday shows are going to sponsor the next insurrection at the Capitol. I mean, the way that they are, who they're bringing on and what they're doing, and they're doing it over and over again. Um it's it's really scary. Yeah, I think. Well, look, you're you're preaching the choir on that one. I mean, I've had people that oh, you should interview me for your podcast, and I go, well, why? What do you have to bring to the table? What do you want to talk about? And it's you know, I want to talk about how you know Donald Trump was right, and, and you know he got the election stole from him. And I'm going, well, that's not my podcast. I deal in reality. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, that's but, insane. Yeah, and I get it constantly, and. I don't understand members of the press who give these people air. I don't. It, why? It's maddening. It, give oxygen to that crap. So, you know, one of the things I like to do in, in final thoughts on the show is to just ask, you know, some random questions so people can get to know you a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're stuck on a deserted island, you got, you know, well, this, you know, <laughs> if you're stuck on a deserted island, what are you listening to? What are you reading? I am. I don't really listen to much, to be honest. Um, I, what I, kind I, of music? Um, I listen to. I listen to country. I listen to um, sort of whatever's. Who's your favorite in. artist? It's uh, a good question. I would say um, one of my favorite artists, who I think is one of the most talented, is Taylor Swift. Ah, which would be kind right. of, you know, unexpected. So let me ask you. I always boil it down to this: Led Zeppelin, The Who, The Beatles, or The Stones uh probably someone uh beatles there you go all right <laughs> i was gonna go with zeppelin but you said one yeah that's yeah you had well that's a tough one too <laughs> yeah it is and and my, so, my mom's from england so i you know oh, i the, grew up here in well, you grew up listening to the beatles did you <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> and so um seafood or uh, uh you know a good steak 
Mm, a good steak. Yeah, especially if you're on a deserted island. You can always get seafood. Yeah. <laughs> I was say, if I'm on a deserted island, I would probably need a, a good steak and a pack of cigarettes, you know, and maybe maybe a carton of cigarettes. But other than that, I'd probably be pretty good. <laughs> I'd need some sunscreen at some point in time. There you go. But this, <laughs> and then, of course, the big question is, what would you, if you had one movie, if you could pick a movie? Um, the Money Pit. Oh, wow. The old Tom Hanks movie. Yeah. That's a fun I, movie. I grew up in Arlington and we used to have an Errol's that then became a blockbuster. And when Errol's went into business, I was able to like purchase, I don't know, like 70 VHS tapes. And it was all that was left when I went in there. And it was like the money pit, the burbs, another Tom Hanks one. Yeah. Um, and uh, so anyways, those ended up being two of my favorite movies and the Goonies. And the, the money pit was just, well, that was pretty hilarious. It's actually. great. Yeah. It's so funny. I like the, when the, uh, the like music always yeah <laughs> they all come in yeah it reminds me of some of my relatives but that's <laughs> yeah the composer or whatever he was is pretty wild too yeah that uh, but all the uh all the contractors just reminded me of, of you know i know that's that's uncle joe i know that yeah <laughs> hey that's paulie i know paulie <laughs> exactly i mean actually that scene where all the contractors come in were almost kind of like a like a a, a trump scene you know just in yes terms of like his team and like the Island of Misfit Toys. And <laughs> I like when he says, you know, <laughs> you know, Tom Hanks said, what do you mean it's going to cost me, you know, X amount of dollars? Aren't you going to even look at it? And he goes, I looked at the pipes five years ago. You think they got better? That's hilarious. <laughs> you know, that's one of my favorite lines from that movie. Well, <clears throat> what do you think? Where do you think we are two years from now? You think country's in a better place or less better? I mean, it does. Oh, yeah, I, I'm hopeful. I, um, it, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you read Eric Ding's tweets. Um, sometimes they make me like super paranoid and and unhopeful because, you know, he says that well the numbers are going down right now with the other variant. It's like we're getting ready to start a second pandemic, and so that that's what freaks me out. Um, I think that you know there's a number of people that are not going to get this shot. Um, some of them for good reason in terms of their lack of trust. Um, I hope as many people as possible do get it, but, um, you know, I, th I think we'll be in a better place. Well, we have just reached a milestone, 500,000 deaths, mm -hmm. the 1918, 1919 pandemic, 675,000 deaths. We'll probably approach that now as a percentage of population, it will be far less now than the percentage of the population in 1918, 1919, but still a very serious pandemic. Mm -hmm. And when I last interviewed Dr. Fauci, it was, I think it was Friday during the uh, <clears throat> briefing. I said, keep talking about things looking better. What specifically? And I, I asked him to be as specific as possible as to when things would get back to normal. And he says, we, we have far too many new cases each day when it's down to like 10% of, you know, of testing, then we'll be back to normal. And he said he was hopeful that that would be soon not very specific on what that yeah. means, but um, everyone has talked about, you know, May and June so that by July and, and uh, September, August and September, as we head in cruise into a uh, fall, the things will be better. Yeah. But I think they've been hesitant to be, I think they're cautiously optimistic, but I think they've been hesitant to put a, a date on it because they'd like to, if they did and they made that date, then what's to say, all right, fine. But if yeah. they don't make that date, right, then they're gonna they're gonna have hell to pay. 
Yeah. So I think they would rather say, you know, we said it would be sooner rather than later. And guess what? It's sooner. Yeah. That's why I assume when they, when they did the hundred million uh, vaccine number that we were going to wind up in a position where they blew past that. And um, yeah, even more hopeful now with some of this other stuff happening. But... I thought they, they, they lowballed that for, for a reason. Yeah. They wanted to, you know, and, and, and what's funny is, and see, we didn't pick up on that in the press. Although I, I said it at the time, he goes a hundred million and hopefully we'll do better. Mm-hmm. which was telling he's not going to say that yeah unless exactly. he unless there's a good chance he could do that yeah exactly. that would come back into as a noose around his neck yeah fauci's he, been um very I, I think you know uh in a good way very conservative on a lot of this stuff and you know it's very promising and and you know you can sort of take what he says to the bank so i hope um you know, I, I, I think it's smart that they're not committing to a, a specific date, you know, because all, all, you know, la- who is it? Jared Kushner that was like by whatever will be rocking. Yeah. Know? I mean, it's, uh, you know, I'd rather I'd rather get to, you know, July 1st. And if there's another month before, you know, certain things can happen, not be disappointed again. Well, I mean, yeah. And there was Kellyanne Conway. <clears throat> I was standing there in the briefing room the day she said, we've got it under control. And, you know, I was there when, you know, I think I even asked Trump the question when he said, look, we've got 11 cases and we don't think we're going to have any more. Really? And that 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 briefing where he talked about that first case, you know, and I think it it was misreported, too, in terms of the information they released. But he was like that woman and she was older and overweight or whatever (laughs) he said. And it was like, you know, like one person, you know, (laughs) that's right. And then next thing you know, we've gotten to this. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it, it's well, everything he's done has been. I, I mean, for me, it was that last question I asked Trump in the in the briefing room on in September about him being able to accept a peaceful transfer of power mm. and what he said and what we lived through for the next, you know, three months because yep. of what he said then. Yep. I, that one blew me away. But <clears throat> Equally telling on that day was a question that came from another reporter and complete switching gears, not following up on what I asked, but asked about um, the royal couple mm. and Meghan. Mm. <laughs> and the look on Trump's face, he goes, oh, you <laughs> could tell. Look, this was something he knew about. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was like, it was yeah. like all his tweets leading up to office. He was always getting engaged in people's personal affairs. You know, this person yes. should leave this person for this and this and this. And like this obsession with, you know, common and never an upset and never an obsession with the, the welfare of the country. Right. Oh, totally. So, I mean, well, going forward, I hope, uh, you know, I, you, you got to come back, of course, way before the midterms. But I, I hope that by midterms, um, that we're we're seeing a semblance of normalcy. Totally, no, I totally agree with you, and yeah. um, <laughs> I will pray every day. Yeah, I pray that the Democrats come up with some decent uh, candidates because some of the Republicans are just—I'm um, going to say this bluntly—fucking batshit, fucking nuts. Yep. No, I totally agree with you, and uh, you know, I have conversations every day with folks who are considering doing something, and then. You know, every now and then, too, I see these videos that pop up online and um, uh, there's this guy. I'm, I'm not working on any Virginia races right now, but there's this guy, Sean Perryman, running for lieutenant governor of Virginia. 
and I tweeted his ad the other day. I had missed it like three weeks before. And uh, he's got an incredible story, um, but he he was asked to represent Trump as an attorney. So he quit his law firm and then he went to work with Elijah Cummings and was part of the team that investigated Donald Trump. Uh, So there's some really cool people stepping up for all sorts of different reasons. But, you know, they're they're inserting, you know, very specific and personal Trump stories into their ads as to why they've decided to run. Well, God bless them. And I hope they win, because especially, you know, against the QAnon supporters, I I really do hesitate to mention the woman's name because she really is, you know, the one who posted the transgender, anti-transgender thing in the hall. I really hate mentioning her name because I think she's only about getting I feel like she was always picked last for kickball. She never got, you know never got the invite to the prom that she wanted. And it's like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And she doesn't have a very big platform online right now. I mean, and that's the other thing. So I, you know, I, I appreciate it. Appreciative of people like you who don't um, mention her because she, you know, she's going to end up having, you know, 10 million followers when this is all said and done. And right now she has a very small following. Yeah. She doesn't deserve to have it. it it's, it's nuts. She's very dismissive, very mean spirited, very shallow. Yep. And I, you know, I don't even care about the politics at that point. I'm just talking about treating people like human beings. Totally. Sorely lacking. Yep. And I can't, I, I can't stand it. It's, it, it bothers me that politics in the United States has devolved to the, to that point. Mm-hmm. And so I hope, please tell me that there's somebody in the democratic party going to run against her and beat her. There is some, I've heard of at least one person that's going to run against her. That district apparently is pretty hard. I think she won with like 75% of the vote, but, um, you were just making me think, you know, moving forward in school, they might have to use her with, you know, without her name as an example, when they teach um, kids the process of, uh, you know, what members of Congress do and, yeah. and the committees that they're on, except, you know, some members are not on committees. Because they're shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, again, it was Tip O'Neill who said uh, any ass or any fool can get elected once come and see me after you've, you know, won re-election. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's true. I mean, anybody, I I told this to all of the folks that were elected in 2018, that I I had conversations with that your second election is going to be the hardest election of your lifetime. And if you win that, you'll probably be in that seat as long as you want. Yeah. It's always the second one. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd be happy. Look, I'd be happy if some real Republican, you know, not that I know of any, you know, like the Eisenhower or, you know, Teddy Roosevelt or Abraham Lincoln type of, Republican exists anymore. Yeah. But if there is one mm-hmm. who uh you know who would run against her, I'd I'd support them over. Yeah. I mean, so for sure the lines on that district will will be somewhat different. I have no idea what it's gonna wind up being, but um yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, I think that you know, hopefully she gets a good challenge from the right. And finally, what do you think of the Republicans who voted against Donald Trump and voted for impeachment? Should the Democrats reach out to them? Uh I think to whatever extent, you know, there's stuff going on that everybody can work on great, but like some of these folks that have done that have continued to show their cards since then. And, you know, it's, it's all, it's all the same some haven't. party. Some, yeah. yeah. Some haven't. I think at the end of the day, it's, it's all the same party. I mean, like, you know, if, you know, they, they have an opportunity to be independent if they want, you know, and they may not have a seat two years from now, but um, I think wherever folks can work together on stuff, we should, but I don't think we should, build people up and, you know, shower them just because they did something that they're supposed to do. <laughs> I'm just happy they did something they're supposed to do. I'll go with that. It's always nice too. 
The name of the show is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Adam, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Come back, I hope. Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah, it's always fun. And uh, we'll catch you next time.